It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. What's up, Faithful? You're listening to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone. No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. He's Al Sacco. I'm Brian Rennick. And the 49ers have punched their ticket to Super Bowl 58, Super Bowl LVIII. They have a date with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And let me tell you, Al, I thought that date was going to be nowhere to be found after the first half of craptastic football that the 49ers played against the Lions. But against all odds, down 17. The 49ers came back, scored 27 unanswered points to beat the Detroit Lions 34 to 31. What size comeback are people going to need to see now in order to give Brock Purdy his flowers? Brian and I are texting at halftime, like about the show, and we're like, when do you want to do it? And at halftime, we're like, who gives a shit? Thursday, <laughs> like, yeah. we don't, don't want, want to talk about all. the shit. And I thought for sure, like, I thought it was over, man. <laughs> I thought it was over. 100%. They looked disjointed on offense. I've never seen them play that bad. I mean, unless you're going back to Jim O'Neill, I don't remember the last time they looked that bad on defense. That loss. Jim O'Neill. That much, on, that much on, on roller skates. That much on their heels. It was just awful. And I'm like, dude, it's over. It, I can't believe it. And lo and behold, this team, and you mentioned, what else does Purdy have to show? What else does this team have to show right now? Here, here's what championship teams do. Can you handle adversity? Can you play for 60 minutes? And can your quarterback handle adversity? Yeah. Can your quarterback be a goldfish and just forget about the play before and come up big when he has to? And in this game, this team showed resiliency. Resiliency. This was a team effort. They made adjustments. I still think there's issues with the defense, and we could thank Dan, Dan Campbell for some of this, and I'll get into that. But Offensively, they made adjustments. Brock Purdy, second half, 13 of 16. Was it 174 yards, I think? He you mean, ran. You mean Lamar Purdy? Oh, oh, MVP? No, I just MVP mean like with his, with his feet. He won that game with his oh, feet. Oh, with his feet? Oh, it. okay. Yeah, he did. It. I was going to say, 52-yard scrambling. And every time he scrambled, did you listen to Greg Olson? So, like, the first time he scrambled, Greg Olson's like, you know, Purdy's not really a good athlete, but he could do this once in a while. And yeah. then he did it again. And Purdy's like, or Olsen's like, well, I guess he's a he's a pretty good athlete. And then he does it again, and he's like, Brock Purdy's a sneaky athlete. Like, dude, <laughs> Purdy can move, man, Greg Olson. You're just he figuring can. this out. And those scrambles changed the game in a lot of ways. Yes. And those scrambles were what you were not getting with previous quarterback. Correct. Who a lot of those plays are dead in the water. Yes. Once, once it becomes out of the structure of the play, those plays were dead in the water. But Purdy is everything off structure. Just so many plays he made in this game. Rolling out when they were tied and they were on their own 20. Rolling out and hitting a use check on, on the sideline. The other that play where he ran incredible. around and threw it to use check. Just what he does off schedule and out of structure is amazing. And, and we'll get into all of it and, and break it all down. But, you know, enjoy it, Niners fans. It was absolutely amazing. It was one of the greatest comebacks. I think it was the greatest comeback ever from 17 NFC, points yeah. down at halftime, right? 
17 points is the biggest deficit ever overcome in an NFC championship game. There were two other teams to do it. I don't remember who, but um, so now there's three teams that have come back from 17 down in an NFC championship game to win it. Just, just insane, just insane. And for them to do that again, showing the resiliency, the team knows what's on the line and they, they didn't give up and they just kept fighting and we'll break it down. I think think there was a lot of luck involved. Certainly. <laughs> um, I think there was a lot of Dan Campbell involved. But this is what I say about luck. I don't want to hear people who knock that because it's part of the game. If yes. you go back and look at any championships, the immaculate reception, the tuck rule, the mm-hmm. helmet catch, yep. that catch Edelman had that was an interception that Brady threw that would have ended the game that, that bounced yep. into his hand. Lynn Swan catching a ball that got tipped. It's It happens over and over and over and over again. Most teams don't get to a championship without luck. So yeah. it happens. Get over it. It was also an insane play by Ayuk to even catch that ball. One of the yeah. most memorable plays in 49ers history we saw in that game with that catch. So enjoy it, man. It's I, awesome. It feels really good to be here. I saw people. So, you know, obviously the 49ers have the catch. And then Terrell Owens against the Packers was the catch too. And then Vernon Davis against the uh, Saints was the catch three. Navarro Bowman, uh, or not Navarro Bowman? Well, Navarro Bowman was the uh, was the the pick at the stick, right? Yeah. Um, yep. But uh, Dre Greenlaw with the the clinch by an inch, right? That that tackle to keep the Seahawks out of the out of the end zone in 2019, that 2019 season to to clinch the one seed. Uh, I've seen people calling this Ayuk play the snatch. And I really like that because he did. He kind of just snatched it out of the air after, you know, after he did what it is. So I was like, that's great. I like that. I think that will stick, but no, it's, you know, and, and that's the thing is, is when you go down 17 in a, in an NFL game, the only way you're coming back is with some luck. Like you're going to need some things to bounce your way and there's no denying it. They absolutely had some, literal lucky bounces the 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 snatch and they also had some really lucky uh game management situations from from the other Mm -hmm. coach and all of that uh culminated in the 49ers 38th postseason victory which marks the most of any franchise in nfl history they passed the uh green bay packers and uh you got to think like I I don't know about you, but it, well, I do know because we talked about it the last episode. I wanted the Chiefs, and the fact that the Chiefs won against you know against the uh, against the Ravens in that early game, I was like, listen, all I need now is my squad to do what it should be able to do against this Lions team, and we've got it set up the way we want. And again, in that first half, it, it was it wasn't even anger; it was just like. I mean, it was anger. Let's, I don't want to, I don't want to front on I that. Was I, I, was, I was, I was shitty. I was, I was, I was a very shitty person uh, during that first half and very uh, sullen, very pouty, very all of it. Um, but it was just like, I, again, this team is better than this and I know it. I don't understand how they can allow this to happen. How the leaders, especially on the defensive side are allowing this to happen. And, you know, I don't know what was said in the locker room uh, it at halftime, but what I appreciate about this team is they came out and they said, look, we're down 17. It's not the end of the world. 
We got a score in our opening possession. They only got a field goal. And you kind of felt like, uh, that doesn't feel great, but at least they scored. And then, you know, to to force a turnover on downs on fourth down, uh, one of Dan Campbell's terrible fourth down decisions, uh, and then to score, uh, go down and score a touchdown. Like that was that was the momentum changer right there. And and that team went, oh yeah, we are still in this. And they did make halftime adjustments and and we'll talk about those. But what I saw in the second half, like why can't that be what you did in the first half? Like why wasn't that your what plan? Was the game plan in right. the first half, right? And you know, I tweeted out today, I was like, hey, can D'Amico Ryan's like zoom in on the defensive uh game plan meetings uh, <laughs> in the next two weeks asking for Steve Wilkes? Cause like, man, that was that that can't you're not going to come back down 17 against a team like like the Chiefs. Right. Again, the only reason they were able to is because the Detroit Lions don't have the same level of defense that the Chiefs do. So that's a big concern. But yeah, I was I was out. I was out. I was hate watching in the second half because I'm like, I got I have nothing better to do. I got to talk about this game. I'm, I'm going to watch it. But you know, I'm playing on my phone. I'm doing whatever. I'm not even paying attention because I'm like, there's no, there's nothing. Like, there's no way they're coming back. And, you know, right in my eye, they came back. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if this, I don't know if this bodes well for the Super Bowl. I don't know if this is, again, we thought Green Bay was a wake-up call. Maybe it wasn't. Is this a wake-up call? I don't know. Does this team even need a wake-up call? It's too veteran-laden to need one. So, right. it was, it was a roller coaster. Uh, but I'm just glad that when, you know, when it ended and those that safety harness went up and I, you know, I got off the roller coaster, I got off as a fan of the NFC champions, and that's all I could ask for. My mind started to wander to, towards the end of the season, and I thought, okay, when does this team really look good? Because they've just looked – when we're at halftime or right around there, I'm like, you've just looked disjointed the entire playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like, when is the last time you looked like the 49ers? I started to think about it. I went back. I'm like, holy shit, because Christmas seems like forever ago now. I mean, it yeah. seems like it was months ago. Really, I mean, it really wasn't. It was just one month ago, but it seems like a really long time ago. And the game before that, December 17th, the Cardinals come and score all those points at the end. And we explain it away. Like, ah, whatever. They were up by a lot. And then you have the shit show on Christmas night against the Ravens. They beat the Commanders, who are, I mean, just a joke of a team. And then you don't play the next week. Yeah. And then you have the week off. And you didn't look good against the Packers. The Packers left that door open for you. And now you're halfway into this game. And again, you look all disjointed. And I'm like, holy shit, are they broken? Like, that's what was going through my head. Like, is this yeah. is this just over? Did they just lose it somehow? And then they had too long of a break and they're not going to find it again? But then they did, man. It, like you said, just a veteran-laden team that was just resilient. And I guess if they stumble their way to a championship, who gives a shit, right? You're still, you're still in the championship. Yep. Who cares? I mean, who cares? Yep. But that that's where my mind went, Brian. Like, I started to think, like, are there bigger issues here or things we didn't see? But it didn't matter. They they came back and they played, like, the 49ers in the second half for the most part. Right. For the most part. And I think that, well, let's take a break and I'll tell you what I think about why we should be sending Dan Campbell some Christmas cards. All right, Brian. So I I, I had to write it down. Had to write everything down that Dan Campbell did in this game. And Dan Campbell is a hero in Detroit, right? They, I'm sure they love the guy. He's yeah. awesome to root for. He's got him as far as they've been in 30 whatever years or whatever it's been. But, dude, he put on a clinic to me 
and what not to do. And I'm old school. I, mm. I like you to be aggressive sometimes, but I don't like a lot of this analytics shit. I think analytics should be part of your decision. Yeah. It shouldn't dictate your decision. And I actually wanted Kyle to go for it in the first quarter when Moody missed. I did as well. So I, I did as well. I do like I do like them to be aggressive. But let me take you through this. The Lions are up in this game 24 to 10. And it's halfway through the third quarter. And they are just going through the Niners defense still. They decide to run. I think it might have been on the third down play. But they decide to run a end around with, with Amon St. Brown mm-hmm. instead of Monterey St. Brown, whatever his name is. Instead of just going to David Montgomery, who was just gashing people. Right. Gashing people at that point. Niners get it to fourth and three. And they're on, I think it was about the 30. So it would have been you know, maybe like 47, 48 yarder right in that range. But here's the thing. Momentum momentum is crazy. Mm-hmm. Momentum is real. Mm-hmm. So if you kick that field goal, you're up by three scores. And how yeah. many possessions were really left? Four, five, maybe? Yeah. It, it, and it it just changes everything. But you go for it. And yeah, Josh Reynolds dropped the ball. I understand that. Yeah. But still, it was you took points off the board, essentially. Right. And then the momentum has changed. And then mm-hmm. the Ayuk play happens, right? That was after that. The Ayuk yep. play. Yeah. And then it's pandemonium. Forget yeah. about it. You've lost the stadium. Everybody's going crazy. Momentum is completely on the Niners side. And then what happens the next play? Jameer Gibbs fumbles. Yeah. So just that Ashawn little Gibson, thing, it, it just changed everything. Yeah, Gibson with a great play to get in there and get the ball away. It just changed absolutely everything. They go up, they get a punt, which was unbelievable at 24 the lions oh my punter, god he, that punt was, it was crazy. 70 yards in the air or yeah. whatever it was yeah Purdy again <laughs> the lions maybe could have tipped it out of the end zone they end up it ends up being a touchback mm-hmm. Purdy makes an, an unbelievable scramble play to juice they end up getting a field goal and again dan campbell has another opportunity at fourth down to tie the game at 27 27 he decides to go for it they don't get it and again, all the momentum again just keeps going mm-hmm. with the Niners. Purdy has the scramble. McCaffrey, who, my God, I cannot say enough about that guy. And I'm going to tangent about him later. Another big run to get them into scoring range. Game's over because of the decisions he made. And even at the end, the last drive, they run the ball there. Once you're inside the 25, if you're the Lions, you're throwing yeah. the ball. You have in to. the minute you and then just kick the field goal if you have to. Save mm-hmm. your timeouts. You need two scores anyway. Yeah. Save your timeouts, try to stop the Niners and get the ball back and either go for the field goal or the touchdown, depending on what would have yep. happened. But they wasted way too much time. Yep. They wasted a timeout because they ran and, and they lost the game. So as good of a year Dan Campbell has had, Dan Campbell just put on a clinic to me on what not to do. And for the second week in a row, a team has left the door open for the Niners. And you cannot do that, obviously, mm-hmm. because when the doors open a crack, the Niners have kicked it in two weeks in a row and come back and won the game. And I would argue that that the poor decision started by kicking the field goal at the end of the first half instead of going for it. I honestly think. Oh, if, I disagree with you there. I, I think it was a good decision. Oh, see, I thought I thought you go for the dagger there. I think if you go up twenty eight seven at half, I think that game. I think that game is effectively over. And and what and all I'm saying is, I'm not saying I would necessarily go for it. But that is a that is a situation where Dan Campbell usually would have gone for it. And I almost feel like he regretted kicking the field goal at the end of the second half. And that is part of what led to those decisions in the second half that were even worse. Um, but, you know, you look at that game and and 
I mean, obviously Moody missed a field goal, but that happens. But electing not to kick those two field goals took six points off the board, and they lost by three. They would have won that game had they kicked it. Now, again, field goals are not automatic. I understand that. Right. The 49ers kicker missed his field goal earlier in the game. And so, you know, you can't just say like a 48 field goal, 48 yard field goal is automatic, but I, I, I don't know. Those were, those were, but that has, but at the same time, Dan Campbell was true to himself. Uh, you know, they were the most aggressive team in the NFL all season. And I don't think so much that a lot of, I don't think his decisions are analytics based. I think there there's, there's some there, but I Campbell seems the kind of guy to me that he goes on gut feel, right? Like more than it's the, the analytics say to go for it here. And, you know, you, you used to call, we used to call uh, Ron Rivera riverboat Ron, and he didn't even go for it that much. I think we got to start calling him Dan Gamble because that's what he loves to do in, in, in almost every game is, you know, he'll take the big gamble because, you know, and I said it in the preview, an underdog is is has to invite chaos into a game where they are a seven and a half point uh, underdog, right? Like there's going to have to be some weird things that happen in the game for you to gain that edge. And I think he came into this game prepared for that. But once you, you know, once you were up 24, seven, you know, then you're still up 24, 10, you have the opportunity to go up. Like you said, three scores. That's big, right? Because two big touchdowns back to back. And that game is tied now rather than you still being ahead by three. And right. it changes the calculus of the game immensely. So yeah, I, I agree. Dan Gamble uh, was, you know, one of the, one of the big reasons why the 49ers were able to get back into this game, but you also have to give the 49ers credit that unlike their fans, or at least I can only speak for myself, they didn't pucker you know, go, being down 17, going into half. I was, I was fully turtled. I was like, this game is over. And yeah. the fact that they didn't, and, you know, Nick Bosa says, you know, I was laying on the ground, you know, with uh heat treatment on my back, just yelling things <laughs> in the, in the locker room. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was this, this matchup particularly against the lions was going to be tough for the 49ers because the 49ers run defense is suspect and their run offense is their strength. And the 49ers and the, and the lions run offense is a strength and their run defense is also a strength. And it worried me. It worried me going into the game. And I was on uh, Ryan Hensley has a, uh, he's another 49ers content creator. You and I have been on a show uh, together uh, once. And uh, he, I was on, on Friday. And the question he asked was, if the lions win this game, it's because blank. And I said, the 49ers couldn't stop the run. And in the first half, that was the issue. And that's what scared me most. And then for whatever reason, I would also like to thank Ben Johnson for abandoning the run in the second half. Again, I don't know what they were thinking with their play calling, but the fact that they even attempted a pass in the second half blew my mind because the 49ers had proven over and over in the first half that they could not stop your run game. And so to come out in the second half and throw as much as they did again, thank you to Ben Johnson and, and, and Dan Gamble, because that is largely what got the 49ers back in the game. 
Yeah. The um. Well, where do I want to go next here? Let's let's stick with that. I guess. Um. We'll 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 give everybody their flowers and talk about Purdy McCaffrey later. But I, I want to say a little bit about Steve Wilkes in the defense. Did they adjust in the second half? Yeah, they they made some adjustments in the second half. I think they also got a lot of help in the second half with with did Campbell you, going for in the fourth downs. Did you see the biggest adjustment they made in the second half when they came out of the locker room? Who would they kick Having out the people, defensive end? Who would they kick out the oh, defensive uh, end? Armstead. Eric yeah. Armstead. Like I said, yep. they should to start the game, and it definitely yeah, which, helped. It he set the edge a lot better. They may have they may have to do that moving forward. It yeah. was in the first half again. I've never never seen a 49ers defense play like that under Shanahan. I, at least I, don't, I can't think of a game where it was that bad, at least not with this talent level Yeah, that can come out and play that way. Chase Young, you think the dude has never seen a handoff before. Like, I'm not sure he knew they, they were allowed to hand the ball off. I'm, I, maybe in Washington they didn't practice that. I don't know. But I've never seen – he just, just getting sucked in over and over again. People weren't in their lanes. There was poor tackling. I mean, they, they were getting eight, ten yards of play, the Lions unstoppable and then like you said yeah they kind of got out of their game it seemed like in the second half but they also started to shoot themselves in the foot mm-hmm. so you had the fumble where it looked like jameer gibbs kind of went the wrong way josh mm-hmm. reynolds who you know was the go to this game for detroit with a couple of big drops the one on fourth down and then another one that would have been a big game i'm not sure what down it was but it would have mm-hmm. been a big game and kept the drive going for them so they definitely helped the niners defense a lot the niners defense did come out and make some plays i thought nick bosa had a strong game um, I said, you know, it's funny. I said with Bosa, I had said that he hadn't had a sack in his last four games and I thought he was due and everybody's like, no, he's not going to get one this game. The Lions, Lions have a great offensive line. Well, you, he got two this game. So he he there did. it was. He now is 10 for his postseason career, which um, it's 13th all time, but it's only two behind Reggie White for fifth all time. Reggie White wow. has 12 fifth all time. Willie McGinnis has the most at 16 and a half. So that might be a record. Who knows? Bosa gets, but I thought he came out and played really well in the second half, but what we saw again, the, the lions left the door open. The Packers left the door open. The chiefs are probably not going to leave the door open. The 49ers need no. to play 60 minutes, of good defensive football in the super bowl. And I am not going to explain. Am I happy? They won absolutely. To, to, to Sean Gibson make a great play. Yes, and Bosa made a great play, and there were big plays made, absolutely. But long and the short of it, you cannot come out and play 40% of a game and expect to beat a team like the Chiefs. They have to come out, and they have to play 60 minutes of good football. And I'm even going to say this. If they come out and, and shit the bed defensively in the Super Bowl, or even if it's like 45 to 42 and they play horrible, get a new defensive coordinator next year. Yeah, Something ain't right there. I, I know they came back and I know they played better, but something is not right there. So this team has tons of talent and they can overcome it. And, and I still think that they can do. I still think they're due for a really good 60 minute game just because of the talent. But if you think I believe in Steve Wilkes right now, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's been a good fit for this team. I don't think he did a good job in this game. Did he make adjustments in the second half? Sure. But I feel like, I don't know. A fucking monkey could have figured out like to do better than what he was doing. I mean, load the box. Like, what, yeah. it, it, you kick Armstead out. You said on the show, Brian Reddick sitting there in his hoodie said to play Armstead. Yeah, it took him half a game to do that. Yeah. So just things like this, I'm kind of like, again, I love you know, I love that. I never take this stuff for granted. I want to win. I want to win the Super Bowl. Everybody yeah. wants to win a title. These guys want to win a title, and you need to play 60 minutes of defense against the Chiefs to do that. And you cannot start out slow and see the bullshit that we saw and then expect to adjust in the third quarter against Andy Reid because you'll probably be down 35 to 
10 or instead of 24 to 10, if that's the case. So I want to see, I want to see a better performance from that from Wilkes in the full 60 minutes from the defense. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to hang my hat on in terms of uh, how I start to look towards the Super Bowl. Now, granted it's, it's Monday. We've got 13 days until the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of scheme to talk about all of it. One of the reasons why I wanted the Chiefs outside of just the sheer revenge of it all uh, for for 2020 or 2019 season, 2020 Super Bowl. The Chiefs are dog shit running the football this year. They are god awful at it. And that is the biggest weakness of this 49ers defense. And on top of that, this Chiefs defense is really, really good, but they are suspect against the run. And the 49ers are really, really good at that. And so as long as as long as Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes don't do what they did the last two games, which I'm not even going to say Wilkes. I'll, I'll, well, I'll, we're, we're talking about defense. I'll say Wilkes now. As long as Wilkes understands, like, listen, this team probably can't run the ball against us. So we're going to come out prepared to, you know, to, to stop Patrick Mahomes and and Travis Kelsey and that passing attack. And and as long as the 49ers defensive line doesn't get just absolutely manhandled like it did in the first half, that was part of the frustration for me. I was like, how are we spending, you know, whatever percentage of the cap we're spending on our defensive line right now? And they're just getting punked play after play after play after play. It was wild, just wild that they were just getting owned by the Lions offensive line. And then in the second half, they, they they punched back. And I was really grateful to see that. And as much as there were some really, really, really terrible uh, tape from Chase Young, there was also some really nice highlights from Chase Young as well. Uh, there was one play in the second half where he uh, he was on the end and, and he was being blocked, I think, by Laporta. And he just straight up just went whoop and just threw Laporta to his left and then uh, tackled the ball carrier in the backfield. And it was like... Listen, if we could get that level of effort from you every single down, God, the sky is the limit. And that's oh, the thing he, with Chase Young. And that's that, that, part oh, that of why they got rid crazy. of him in, in Washington. Yeah, but what you just said there, not that drives me absolutely crazy. Oh, he decided to, to have effort that play. Yeah, good for him. Because right. he did it on the J- Jameer Gribbs touchdown run. You right. know, I, I can't yeah. with that shit. I just I Right. And that's the I'm thing is it. like, I can't, and I can't believe that Chris Kasurik and Nick Bosa haven't been able to light a fire under his ass strong enough to get him to, to put that on film, you know, every snap. But um, I, I think, I think the 49ers match up better against the chiefs than they did against the Ravens. And that's part of why I wanted the chiefs outside of the revenge factor. And so, you know, I, I, I don't think this team there's a part of me that wonders if this team overlooked the Lions a little bit. I, 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 and, and the way they played in the first half, it's hard to think that they didn't. And I don't think that's going to be the case in the Super Bowl because this is far too important to a lot of these guys. I'm so pumped for Trent Williams to be in his first Super Bowl, Christian McCaffrey to be in his first Super Bowl, Brandon Ayuk to be in his first Super Bowl, obviously Brock Purdy, first Super Bowl, right? There's a lot of guys. There aren't that many guys on the roster. I think there's maybe like 11 that we're still here that are still here from 2019. And, and we know most of the names, you know, it's Kittle, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's Debo, it's, um, 
Warner, it's uh, Bosa, Bosa, and Dwelly, and Armstead, and like there's like you know a handful that are still there, and and for the rest for a lot of these guys it's going to be their first time. Although for Charvarius Ward, you know he was there with with the Chiefs, but um, you know just excited, but it they cannot come out and look the way that they did against the chiefs, because if they do, it's, it's going to be game over. Yeah. And I just, again, they won and it's great. And I guess if, if the same thing happens and they win the championship, who cares, but I'm also not sure. just going to explain it away and say like, Oh, whatever we won. Like there, you got to play better come the super bowl. But I yeah. do listen, this should be a joyous show and we have tons of flowers to give out and we're going to do it right after this. All right, Brian, Christian McCaffrey, I don't have the words. Hey, he also got over 70. He got 90, 90 against that Lions run defense that had never given up 70 to a a single uh, ball carrier this this season. So he broke that streak. Go, Christian. 4.5 yards per carry. Uh, they had given up 3.7 this year. Do you ever see the movie Tombstone when the dude looks oh, at yeah. He looks at Wyatt Werp and he's like, he's like, oh. I ain't got the words. That's just yeah. that's me with Christian McCaffrey right now. I I don't I don't have the words for you. What you have meant to this team and what you've done for this team in this offense, there were runs in this game where it looks like there was nowhere to go. And he makes a little stutter step mm-hmm. or moves his left or right. And he's just got six or seven yards. And I thought the run that he made to kind of seal it before he had to go out with the stinger, just, just the power he runs with. He runs just, he's like a power runner. I never thought that about Christian McCaffrey, but he really is like a power runner. He had 132 total yards in this game. Is that how much it was? 24 total touches. And I hope in the Super Bowl he touches the ball 50 times if he has to. What he has meant to this team, what he has meant to this offense, I was on team never pay a running back. Just feel like, you know, other than a few guys, you can just find people to fit your system. And, you know, they're kind of a dime or dozen. But this guy is special. This guy is maybe arguably, other than Mahomes, also let's say non-quarterback, this guy may be the best player in the NFL. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think what he's doing in the playoffs, I think, is, is going to solidify that. He has been – for him to come in and just transform things the, the way that he has, and the fact that, you know, you can give the ball to Debo, who was awesome in this game. You can give the ball to Ayuk, who's, who's terrific and made huge plays in this game. We know what Kittle can do. Juwan Jennings makes plays, but there's no one that I want to get the ball more than Christian McCaffrey. I want him to touch it on every series, every three downs or whatever it is. I want him to touch it at least once. He's that good, and he needs to be the focal point of the Super Bowl. Dude, I don't have the words with what you meant to this team. Well, and that's and that was the, the, the frustrating part about the first half is we went into the Green Bay game, and Green Bay, good against the pass, suspect against the run, Kyle comes out with a pass-heavy game plan in the rain. Didn't make sense. Go into the Lions game. Lions are incredibly suspect against the pass. Really, really good against the run. Came out with a really run-heavy game plan. And I'm just like, what? Like, it's like you swapped the game plans, right? Like, the game plan you had for Green Bay is the one you should have had for Detroit, and the one you had for Detroit is the one you should have had for Green Bay. But even as good as even as good as that Lions defense against the run was Christian McCaffrey still overcame Christian McCaffrey was still inevitable. Christian McCaffrey still put up 90 yards on the ground when no other ball carrier had put up more than 70 all season against this team. Four point, as you said, 4.5 yards per carry 
when this team had been averaging 3.7 yards given up. Like it was, and I said it last episode, immovable force against irresistible object. And the irresistible object won because Christian McCaffrey is a generational talent at the running back position. And he, he doesn't look like he's slowing down, you know, like he still looks mm-hmm. like he has at least a couple good years left, which is exciting because 49ers have him for two more years on the contract that he's on. And let's be honest, it's 12 million bucks a year. Like that's a, that's a steal. It's a steal because right. of what he means to what he means to this offense, what he means to Kyle Shanahan as a play caller. Um, it really is you know, Debo and, and, and CMC are the, the muses for Kyle Shanahan and his play calling. And when he has them both on the field and this offense is operating without shooting itself in the foot, it is damn near impossible to stop. And great players play their best when the whites are the brightest. And in these two games in the postseason, he's got 17 carries for 98 yards, 5.76 per carry, two touchdowns. It's all this guy doesn't score touchdowns. Seven catches for 30 yards all against the Packers. And then in this game, 20 for 90, 4.5 yards per carry. Another two touchdowns and would have had three if he didn't get that stinger. Four catches for 42 yards. He now is the all-time 49ers leader in a total season with playoffs, included 25 touchdowns. This dude has scored 25 touchdowns this season. Wild. Absolutely unbelievable year. He's going to win Offensive Player of the Year. He's, again, just been transformative to this offense and, and uh, just – don't have the words. Don't have the words for what he means, and and we'll get more into the Super Bowl as as the as the next couple of weeks go on. But yeah, he he needs to be the focal point. And then I think you know, like we said, Debo played a great game. Ayuk had the catch that we're going to remember forever. He had the touchdown pass. But I cannot say enough about this twenty four year old second year quarterback who was the last pick in the draft. And again, we've been belaboring this point forever. There's still some people who want to doubt him. Still some people who want to call him a game manager. Take everything else out of it. Take the draft position out of it. Just just if this is a 24-year-old quarterback, I don't care if he was taken in the first round, first pick, second pick, third pick, whatever it is, it's it's unbelievable what he's doing, what he's done, what he's accomplished, in the moxie that he plays with. So in the first half, he just looked disjointed to me. He made some good throws. He was getting a lot of pressure on him in the first half. But he made some good throws. He stood in there. He got hit in the mouth and throws a strike to Debo. He made some off-schedule plays. The interception, his hand got hit, but it was still a bad decision. He shouldn't have thrown yeah. that ball. He's probably got to take a sack there. But again, it happens. And I feel like in the playoffs, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride. You'll back, go back to last year. He was bad in the first half against Seattle. Phenomenal in the second half. The game against the Cowboys, I keep comparing it to a pitcher. He didn't have his best fastball, but he still got people out. He still won the game. Green Bay all over the place in the game. But then when it matters on the last drive, he comes up huge. And then in this game, you're down 24 to seven. Nothing went right in the first half, nothing. And you come out in the second half and just play phenomenal football. We said the numbers, 13 of 16 for over 170, ran the ball four times for 52 yards, huge scrambles, huge throws. And that you throw, I I don't, I don't want to hear lucky. Like I said, we've seen this stuff happen throughout the history of football. And honestly, if that, defender doesn't cut off Ayuk. maybe that's a really good pass anyway so it's, you know I, I, yeah i tweeted it out you watch the video that pass drops in Ayuk's hands in stride if vildor if he doesn't run into vildor now the flag a flag was thrown on that 
and Which they, later picked they, up. they picked it up. Right. And, but I, I tweeted it out. I tweeted out the video. It, it has, uh, again, caused it went viral. Um, cause I said it was a perfect throw from Brock Purdy. Cause it was, it was the right read, the safety bit on the, uh, crosser to Debo. And that is, that is the key for Brock to then throw to Ayuk, who was one-on-one with his defender. And again, we said it in the preview, Kendall Vildor allows a 144 passer rating when in coverage uh, to opposing quarterbacks. That is who is in coverage on Ayuk. I'm giving Brandon Ayuk the opportunity to make a play there 11 times out of 10 if I'm Brock Purdy. It was the right read. Kyle Shanahan said so in the in the postgame press conference. And the only reason why Vildor even had an opportunity to make a play on it is because he made an excellent play. He was he 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 did not lose his route to Ayuk. And while both were looking up for the ball, Ayuk ran into him, which is incidental contact. I understand that. Um, I, but to be also perfectly honest, if Ayuk doesn't make that catch and the flag is still sitting there, if Vildor makes an interception or Ayuk doesn't make the catch, I don't actually know that they still pick that flag up. That would be an interesting what if. But it was definitely the right play, and it was a great throw, Uh regardless of 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 the outcome so per, Purdy's second half he threw for 150 plus yards rushed for 45 plus yards completed 80 percent of his passes averaged 10 plus yards per rush and had zero turnovers no other qb in the last 30 years has done all that in a single half in the regular or the postseason this shit is not easy to do we have seen how many people fold in postseason games he has done it now twice in a row where he hasn't really had his fastball and come back closed games out last week he has the game-winning drive this week he has the game-winning second half where he brings his team back in a historic comeback 24 years old this guy is already doing things like this and you have seen again great quarterbacks who are more physically gifted than him right because that's all anybody wants to say shit the bad in these moments can't get it done Dak Prescott you know he was an MVP front runner how many times have we seen him fold in the playoffs Lamar Jackson Lamar was awful. awful other than a couple, a couple of plays, you know, he had the long touchdown pass in the first quarter, maybe a couple of other things. He was terrible. His offensive yeah. coordinator didn't help him out, but he, he did not play well. Jordan love didn't play well. Another young quarterback towards the end of the Packers game. We see it over and over and over again. QB shrink in big moments. There's a reason in the AFC only I, I can look at it, but it's only, it's been Manning Roethlisberger, Mahomes and Brady in like 20 of the last 23 Super Bowls. That's it. Because, yep. you know, those guys are those guys are clutch and they've been able to make the plays where other people haven't. Now, in the NFC, it's been different. There's been the only quarterbacks to repeat in that time have been Wilson and Eli Manning. But to make these plays and, and make these comebacks, you can't teach it. You either have it or you don't. So the Niners have a quarterback. I don't think he's going to regress from this. I don't think he's 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 the moment's going to automatically start being too big for him. They have a quarterback who you know now in big situations because that was always the question. Well, can he come back? He hasn't showed us that. Is he going to be able to come back? Well, he's done it twice in a row when the lights are the brightest. So now you have a quarterback who's probably going to be your quarterback for a while who you know in a big-time game. It doesn't matter if you're down and you need one drive or it doesn't matter if you're down by 17 in the second half. You know you have a guy behind center who can bring you back. And you cannot put a price on that. So it's it was a special moment, even more special when you consider the story. 
if you're not looking at this guy and you don't understand how special this story is for a guy who was a seventh round pick and the last pick in the draft for a guy who was third string on his team last year, who got an opportunity because of two people got injured ahead of him. That's the only reason why and came in and just grabbed it by the throat, almost won MVP this year and did this in the playoffs. If you can't appreciate that, I said, if you can't appreciate it, you're an idiot. Or you don't know anything about football. It's an yeah. unbelievable story and, and Nader fans should be thrilled to have this guy behind center. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't think there's any 49ers fan that should be saying anything about like, well, I just don't believe in Brock or I don't think Brock is the guy like, no, it, it it's over. Like that's over. This is the guy. He is your guy. He will be here for at least seven more years, right? Whatever it looks like, uh, or the rest of his career, whatever the case may be, as long as Kyle Shanahan is, is the head coach here. Uh, Brock Purdy is going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers barring injury. And like you said, there's just so much. And, and, and I think, again, this is part of the discourse about Brock Purdy is, you know, there are certain things that you just cannot scout for or measure and, and heart and uh, just a clutch gene, whatever you want to call it. You can't really, you can't really scout for it. And you also got to look at, you know, and, and people have talked about this. The other thing that, that you should be looking at that some people don't or, or, or don't even think to is like, what did he do for his high school program? Did he put them on the map? Yes, he did. What did he do for his college program? Did he lift a, you know, a moribund uh, college program to heights never before seen by that program? Yes, he did. Did his head coach say single-handedly Brock Purdy is the reason why? Yes, he did. Like those are important things. And, you know, football coaches, like I, when it comes to the media, they'll bullshit. But when it comes to like scouts coming in and talking, they're not going to bullshit about their player. In fact, they'll be so real about their player that they'll cause grudges a la Jim Harbaugh and, uh, and um, Richard Sherman or, Pete Carroll, when he took the Seattle job and then he drafted Earl Thomas over Taylor Mays, that was a big deal, right? Taylor was his guy at USC, but he still drafted Earl because he knew Earl was a better player and fit the system that's that, that Carroll wanted to run better than Mays did. They are pragmatic almost to a fault. And so they, they don't sugarcoat much. And, and, you know, Matt Campbell didn't sugarcoat what Brock Purdy meant to that Cyclones program. And so, um, you know, it, at this point, like I said, the, the, the discourse doesn't matter anymore. And, you know, I, I, there's a picture of him holding up the NFC championship trophy and it's like, suck it haters. Like, you know, this yep. is, it is what it is. Um, and people will continue to hate on the kid because he's a part of an organization that a lot of people love to hate because of the success that the organization has had. And, you know, people don't like to be wrong. We're in a, we're in a situation in social media where, most people are far more interested in their take being right than anything other than that. And so they will look for anything to confirm their bias, positive and negative. And, you know, I've, you know, I could, there have been times where I've been a little bit too uh, effusive in my praise for Brock Purdy, but part of that is just because again, there's just such unwarranted hate to the kid that it's like, there's gotta be some, some balance somewhere, but, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, this kid is, is incredible. Um, he is the third youngest quarterback to start a Super Bowl 
behind Dan Marino, who was 23 years and 127 days old, Ben Roethlisberger, who was 23 years and 340 days old, and now it's Brock Purdy at 24 years, 46 days old. He is younger than uh, Jared Goff was when Jared Goff started that uh, most boring Super Bowl of all time. Oh my God! Uh, what a against, the, <laughs> against the Patriots, but um, but yeah. So and then another uh, another accolade that you and I, I I were talking about before we came on, uh, Fred Warner. Fred Warner had 13 tackles uh, yesterday against the Lions, which gave him uh, 84 for his career in the postseason, which is a San Francisco 49ers record. Now uh, he passed Navarro Bowman. Uh, for that record. So again, Fred Warner, most tackles in uh, or most postseason tackles in 49ers franchise history. And that was Kyle Shanahan's eighth postseason victory. One more postseason victory. And he ties guys like Vince Lombardi and Jimmy Johnson, which is impressive in and of itself as well. Two more victories. And he ties George Seifert. And Walsh. I think Bill Walsh too with 10. Yeah. 10. Yeah. They're both at 10. Dude. Dude, people are not happy. Once you get out of our 49ers bubble, people are not happy about the Super Bowl. They yeah, no, they're they're but they'll hate watch it just like everybody else because yeah, it's the I Super saw somebody Bowl. like this is the most unlikable Super Bowl in recent memory. I'm like, don't you remember the Seahawks and the Patriots? Or like anybody in the Patriots? Like everybody yeah. had Patriots fatigue. I'm yeah. trying not to get Mahomes fatigue just because the dude's Michael Jordan. He right. Is. Yeah. So I'm trying to like appreciate it and also root against him a little bit now. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm, I hated the Patriots and they made me so miserable. I don't feel that way with the chiefs. I do have a little bit of chiefs fatigue. I would have rather seen, well, definitely I would rather see the bills, but even the Ravens, I think the Niners match up better with the chiefs, but I, I would have been good if they could beat either team. You know, I would love to see them beat either one of those teams, but just somebody else. It's been six straight AFC championships. You get the fatigue, but at the same point, it's like, Dude may go down as the best of all time. So yeah. try to appreciate when you see guys like this and just, you know, if the Niners can beat him, if, if Brock Purdy beats Patrick Mahomes. It's all the more sweeter. Know, yeah. Where do you go from there? So, but you know, listen, we're, we're going to try to do as much content as we can in the next two weeks. We're going to try to get people on. People are busy. We'll see. We'll see what we can do, but um, you know, let's just enjoy it, man. Maybe the last time and who knows, it's not easy to do. It seems like the Niners are on the doorstep every year, but it's not easy to do. And um, who knows if Brian, if we're ever going to be able to cover this again. So let's enjoy it while we can. Absolutely. Enjoy the win, regardless of how ugly it was. Look forward to another matchup against Patrick Mahomes and those Chiefs. Uh, you know, do what you can to help uh, to help Steve Wilkes develop a defensive game plan against these Chiefs. He's going to need it. Uh, I hope Kyle's I hope Kyle's in a lot of those meetings. You, you want people to write him letters? I don't know. Whatever they need to do. I, he just needs Send as much email. help as he can get. Yeah. He just needs as much help as we can get. Like I said, you know, I don't know if D'Amico can zoom in for some of these game planning sessions. Maybe, you know, maybe get uh, Sala on the on the horn and, and and you know, bounce some ideas off him from what he had to do in, in Super Bowl. Uh, what was it? 40, uh, no, 54. Oh, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. I was telling you I learned something new today. Uh, the Chiefs will be the home team uh, in this Super Bowl. Uh, so they'll be wearing their home reds. The 49ers will be in their road whites, just like it was in the uh, the last time they met. And that is because 
the AFC is the home team in all even-yard Super Bowls, and the NFC is the home team in all odd-yard Super Bowls. I learned that today. Didn't know that. Um, my question is, can they or will they wear those super fresh white throwbacks? All whites, baby. The white throwback with the white pants, the red stripe, and the black. Down. Oh, my God. If they, if they come out in the Super Bowl with that, which I don't know if they will because the NFL – tends to be yeah, I don't know if they would stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that would be absolute fire. Absolutely. All right. Fire. We're out of here. For Brian, I'm out. Later. Nine, zero, three. One, two, three. Nine. Nine. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 